And it's time on a Sunday morning to catch up with Gavin Gray, what's happening in and around Europe, the UK and the rest of the world. Gavin, a very good morning to you and welcome to Gate Talk on a Sunday morning again. Good morning to you, Zane. Cyclist and more cyclist in and around Cape Town, but we'll catch up with what's happening in the world with Gavin. And uh, Gavin, investigations continue after it's revealed that a man was shot dead. Seven people in Germany um, was visited uh, by police last month and after a tip of raised concern about his mental health. Yes, so we now know that the uh, man who killed those seven people in a Jehovah's Witness Hall in Hamburg in northern Germany was a 35-year-old called Philipp Fuss. Now, he was found dead at the scene, uh, but questions continue about, first of all, uh, how and what the police knew of him, uh, and also about gun laws in Germany. Now, um, it's uh, being reported that Foots had fallen out with fellow members over a book he'd written and self-published and compared to the Bible, um, uh, and uh, he, it said, shot himself in the chest before the officers got there. But just back in February, officers had visited him at his flat in West Hamburg and gave him just a verbal warning after finding a loose bullet on top of the safe in which his gun and ammunition was supposed to be stored. Uh, Also, that he had been visited a couple of months ago and a letter sent after there were concerns about his mental health. Um, And so, as you can imagine, the relatives of those uh, seven who died are saying, look, you know, uh, these gun controls need to be looked at, frankly. Uh, And the federal system that we have, uh, where various parts of Germany have various regulations about gun licenses and gun controls, just aren't strict enough. And although Germany does have some of the strictest gun laws in Europe, it also has a high per capita ratio of firearms with one million people legally owning more than five million guns in the country. Now, a lot of these are used for sport, uh, hunters or foresters. Um, But uh, although violence remains uh, quite rare, it is estimated that an average of 155 people are killed by gunfire every year in Germany. Um, And so big question marks about how the authority dealt with him when the federal system that we have, uh, where various parts of Germany have various regulations about gun licenses and gun controls, just aren't strict enough. And although Germany does have some of the strictest gun laws in Europe, it also has a high per capita ratio of firearms with one million people legally owning more than five million guns in the country. Now, a lot of these are used for sport, uh, hunters or foresters. um, But uh, although violence remains uh, quite rare, it is estimated that an average of 155 people are killed by gunfire every year in Germany. Um, and so big question marks about how the authority dealt with him when those uh, uh, concerns about his mental health were raised, but also, of course, about the storage and indeed the licensing of guns. Mm. I think the question there is the actual licensing of guns. And I think here uh, in South Africa also, we we tend to battle with that and we tend to battle with the actual licensing of guns and uh, where, where guns are kept and how they kept. I don't know, you know, a number of people calling for gun-free areas and gun-free zones, but then, of course, you have other other issues involved uh, there. Chatting this morning to Gavin Gray, catching up with what's happening in and around the world. Gavin, U.S. regulators have shut down Silicon Valley Bank. Yes, they have, and this is a, a, a big news, really, in America, of course, but it also ripples around the world. 
Uh, and that is because um, uh, basically what is happening in uh, uh, California to Silicon... The question there is the actual licensing of guns. And I think here in South Africa also we we tend to battle with that and we tend to battle with the actual licensing of guns and uh, where, where guns are kept and how they kept. I don't know, you know, a number of people calling for gun-free areas and gun-free zones, but then, of course, you have other other issues involved uh, there. Chatting this morning to Gavin Gray, catching up with what's happening in and around the world. Gavin, U.S. regulators have shut down Silicon Valley Bank. Yes, they have, and this is uh, uh, big news, really, in America, of course, but it also ripples around the world. Uh, and that is because um, uh, basically what is happening in uh, uh, California to Silicon Valley Bank is going to have the impact, well, in just a few hours' time here in the UK, where the subsidiary in uh, the UK, the SVB UK subsidiary, is going to be put into insolvency in just a few hours' time in the evening. The Bank of England said that uh, Silicon Valley Bank UK would stop making payments or accepting deposits in the interim, uh, and the move would allow individual depositors to be paid uh, £85,000. Uh, so uh, that's uh, a little under the uh, 2 million South African rand mark um, from the UK's deposit insurance scheme, which basically means that uh, if a bank goes bust or insolvent, there is this backup up to that limit of £85,000 that people will get repaid. Of course, if you've got more money in the bank than that, well, you've lost it by the look of it. That's what the current thinking is. The collapse came after SVB said it was trying to raise uh, about 40 billion South African rand to plug a loss caused by the sale of its assets, mainly U.S. government bonds that have been affected by higher interest rates. Investors and customers then, of course, tried to flee the bank. Shares saw their biggest one-day drop on record, plunging 60%, and then fell more after hours uh, sales before trading was halted. And so here we've seen a run on another bank, this time a bank that was deliberately set up to lend money to tech startup companies. Um, and uh, in this case, it's brought about its downfall, but the uh, ripples now affecting others around the world. Moving on from Silicon Valley Bank and their um, issues with customer deposits and uh, the the problems in insolvency uh, to to France uh, suffers more massive protest against the government, which plans to increase the pension age. And I don't know about this pension age story. I you know sometimes uh, people live longer, they live older, but but the people don't want to to go at the age of sixty two. No, uh, and um, I think in France it has a pretty generous uh, state pension system. At the moment, you retire when you're 62. The uh, president, Emmanuel Macron, wants to raise that to 64. And also to be entitled to the maximum state uh, pension, he also wants to raise the uh, number of years in which a person has to contribute. Uh, And uh, the unions have been really annoyed about this. They have held... Uh, about seven days of protest. Millions of people have been out on the streets affecting the transport, but also uh, uh, the rubbish collection on the streets, um, uh, schools uh, and other uh, particular sort of sectors. Now, interestingly, yesterday, senators in France did pass the reforms by 195 to 112, so quite comfortably. And that will bring these package of uh, potential reforms just one step closer to becoming law. 
Now, a committee is going to hammer out the final draft to be submitted to the Senate and then the National Assembly for a final vote. So it's looking like it is going ahead. But the unions are determined to dig in. And yesterday held another mass day of protest. What was interesting was that uh, actually I think fewer people turned up than they had done at the previous national days of protest. Um, it was estimated more than a million people had uh, gone to the streets in previous protests. Uh, the government saying that actually just 368,000 turned up. In Paris, 48,000 people took part in the rallies. Uh, previous uh, day of action on Tuesday had been 100,000. So although unions say, no, 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 those, those figures are much understated by the Interior Ministry, I think most people accept that the numbers out on the streets had reduced. Um, nevertheless, um, sadly, there was some tension and violence Police in Paris said that they had made 32 arrests when some protesters threw objects at security forces and rubbish bins were burned and windows broken. So some pretty unpleasant scenes in Paris um, and uh, particular annoyance among the unions that uh, twice last week President Macron uh, was invited but turned down urgent calls by the unions to meet with them, which uh, the snub said to have made the unions very angry. Mm. Pensionable age, I don't know. Uh, what, what age are you going on pension, Gavin? The next 20 years? Ah, uh, Well, here in the UK, we've gone up and up. So for men, it was 65 and women 60. Then because of equality, it was both mm. 65. And now uh, uh, this is done not done in one particular day. It's being staged across several years. But men have now gone up to 67. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, working for longer and longer to get older and older, and hopefully to have a longer and healthy retirement. But it doesn't always work that way. You work longer and longer to get more money out, but the problem is that your money devalues so quickly, and and I think that's where the problem is. (laughs) Moving on from that, Gavin, BBC TV and radio football coverage has been virtually wiped out this weekend. What a mess the BBC has found itself in. So their main... Their main football presenter, a former England international called Gary Lineker, tweeted uh, that he thought the uh, new asylum uh, plans put forward by the government for the small boats crossing the English Channel illegally. He said that the uh, plans were disgraceful and disgusting uh, and also that it reminded him of uh, the uh, 1930s era in Germany. In other words, Nazi Germany. Well, you can imagine the government, government supporters acted with fury, saying Gary Lineker is a television presenter and that's what he should stick to. He's good at football, that's what he should stick to. To tell his quarter of a million Twitter followers that uh, this was his opinion uh, was a disgrace, particularly as, incidentally, the BBC have very strict rules over what their presenters and high-profile stars should say. And certainly, uh, as I used to work there in the newsroom, anyone in news was told that they could not uh, tweet anything that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, controversial like that in criticism of a political party or in favor of another. So here we go uh, with another round of complaints about Gary Lineker. And so the BBC said, ah, he's agreed to step down this weekend. It then materialized that the BBC had told him to step down from presenting just this weekend until it was resolved, whereupon a whole host of his colleagues all decided that they would refuse to work as well on the Saturday commentary, on the Saturday football punditry, on the Saturday TV and radio programs. Uh, It has led the BBC into a hole because now 
Gary Lineker is saying, I'm not going to apologize. So what are you going to do about it? And now even questions have gone all the way to the top boss at the BBC, the Director General, Tim Davey, who has apologized to the license fee payers for the sports program disruption, but says that um, he himself won't resign over this. Um, he said it's been a very difficult day for the corporation, but we're working very hard to resolve the situation. So what was normally an hour-long pro- uh, hour program looking at football highlights for the day on a Saturday, of course, Premier League action, was edited down to just a 20-minute edition without any sort of commentary and without any punditry. Uh, and so I think plenty of people are thinking, gosh, this has really got the BBC into a hole. Um, but Lee- Gary Lineker seems to have more power than the BBC in this, which many people also consider to be unacceptable. He is the highest paid star on the BBC, uh, and uh, many people are pretty disgusted about that, earning some uh, 25 million South African rand a year for basically his hosting a football program. Well, watch out for my Twitter followings. Uh, that is uh, the, the, the sort of message coming out from that story to the BBC. Uh, finishing off uh, with uh, this particular story, Gavin, uh, women will soon be allowed to swim topless in Berlin's public uh, pools. Yes, fascinating. So we talked about equality. And of course, men can swim in swimming pools uh, without any top on. They, you know, just put on a pair of trunks and off they go. Well, uh, two women uh, who were thrown out of an open air swimming pool in Berlin for sunbathing topless took legal action. Uh, And uh, they said, look, this is unfair with one woman being told either to cover up or leave at an indoor pool in addition to those two women. So the authorities agreed that they had been victims of discrimination and said that all visitors to Berlin pools were now entitled to go topless. The decision has been welcomed largely by many in Berlin. However, others have uh, been rather surprised and uh, almost sort of semi-disgusted by it. And foreign visitors to Germany are often rather stunned and sometimes disconcerted by the sight of naked Germans frolicking in the lakes and uh, parks or sweating in the saunas. Um, But, uh, you know, Germany really considers public nudity in some health settings to be appropriate and also healthy. So next time, Zane, when when you are strutting yourself on the beach, please do bear in mind that if you do go to Germany, and in particular now Berlin, you may see a lot more than perhaps you bargained for. (laughs) Gavin, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's Gavin Gray bringing us up to speed with everything that's happening in and around the UK and the rest of the world on a Sunday morning just after 9 o'clock. A very good morning to you.